Boom. What is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Draft Joe podcast with myself, Nosy, and my co-host, Jackson. Hope you're all keeping well. Thank you for listening and also thank you for watching our YouTube video. If you haven't gone onto our YouTube channel already, please do. FPL underscore draft underscore duo. We launched it last week, so any support would be greatly appreciated. We're going to get straight into the podcast. As usual, we're going to go over a couple of injuries and how they may relate, what you do with these particular players. Some important players come up in today's injury list. And then we're going to go into listener questions. A lot of listener questions will talk about relevant players, players that you might want to know what to do with. So even if the question doesn't directly affect you, some of the information and some of the players mentioned in it might. Our injury list. Top of the injury list is Eze. A couple of questions about Eze, what you should do. I would hold Eze. I think it's fairly straightforward. Just to note, we're recording this on Monday 27th of November. So all injury updates are up to date as of now. Loads will change, that's why you need to follow us on all social media to get updates on players that we mentioned in today's podcast. So I think, yeah, for Eze, it's a, it's a, it's a hold. Um, he's too good of a player to drop. Fatty came off injured for um, for Brighton. He looked like he could be a good pickup, finally getting the starts and gets injured. i probably drop Fatty. Dunk is suspended for Brighton. Lack of clean sheets. Him suspended for a couple of games, I think it's an easy drop. Awoni is out with a long-term injury. That groin injury that he sustained will keep him out till mid-February. So although, yeah, he could be a great pickup or a great player at times, I think if he's out that long, it's just a drop. Even the best of players at that length are a drop. So there is also a couple of strikers this week on the waiver. So maybe stick around and find out who you could swap Awoni with. Neto. If you haven't got Neto in and he's on your waiver, get him in this week. Even small-sized leagues, Neto's going to be an improvement. We talk about him at length last week and this week. So, yeah, if Neto's on the waiver, listen to find out why you need him. And then someone to keep an eye on. Dan Byrne is expected back the 1st of January. So, if you're looking for a defender late in the Christmas period, just keep an eye on Dan Byrne. You might have to pick him up a couple of weeks early. So into our first question of the podcast. Over to my co-host, Jackson. Nice one. So the first question this week is, should I drop Decore of Everton for Elanga of Nottingham Forest? Taking a look at Forest then. So they have Everton, Fulham, Wolves, Spurs, and then Bournemouth. They are fourth from the top of the fixture ticker. Elanga himself, he's three goals and three assists so far this season. And I do feel that Forest are a better attacking side. And the stats do show that marginally, with Forest having 16 goals compared to Everton's 14 so far this season. So although you might feel Forest are that bit more attacking, the margins are quite slim. So for those reasons, I would personally be going dropping Decore for Alanga. So Alanga will definitely be in our waiver suggestions this week. So do stay tuned towards the end of the podcast where we rank all our waiver suggestions for game week 14. When I do look at trade suggestions and waiver suggestions, I try to look at players who are in form the most because it's easy to overlook an in-form Suchek possibly for an out-of-form Rashford. Just an, just an example. Yeah, that ranking of the waiver suggestions also might give people that aren't involved in this trade a perspective of where we rank Alanga for the next couple of game game weeks. So even if you don't have a Decora, you're looking to get a different midfielder out. It could give you a better perspective. Next question is regarding some forwards. 
drop Lyle Foster for Ogbene or Amduni. And I suppose if we just take each player individually, Foster I definitely would drop because company has come out and says that we can't put a time frame on it. And for an illness like this, I don't think they want to rush him back. I think if it's been made this public, it's going to be relatively serious. And if he's getting treated for it publicly, uh, it's going to be weeks, if not months, depending on how serious or what it is exactly. I would be dropping faster, and there is a couple of suggestions that you could pick up for him this week. If I look at Ogbene, he got an assist last game week, and he's a player that I really want to do well, as he's been an Irishman. And I've actually watched him a couple of times live. I watched Ogbene when he played with Limerick FC. <laughs> donkeys years ago. Um, so we are rooting for him. Limerick and FC Lute are no longer a club anymore, oh, for, any for anyone listening. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, Luton aren't the worst at home. They can score, and Ogbeni is actually integral to the counter play or, or you know the counter attacking football that Luton play. It. The problem with Luton is their next four games at home, where they're slightly better in terms of attacking, are Arsenal, City, Newcastle, and Chelsea. So Ogbeni probably wouldn't be ideal here. They also have the second worst expected goals this season with 0.92, just behind Burnley, who we're going to talk about, who is a 0.94. So they don't score many goals. Score The goals that they do score often come at home. And their next four home games aren't great. I'd probably go with Amduni. And although, although Amduni isn't the most exciting pick, not as exciting as Ogbeni in my eyes, just because I want Ogbeni to do well, he is probably a more sensible pick because Burnley's fixtures over the next while are decent. Burnley are second from bottom in terms of expected goals at 0.94. So they're not a great attacking side either. But Amduni was in the heart of a lot of Burnley's play last weekend. They were unlucky to lose the game. Amduni had a couple of shots. So although he hasn't returned and he's getting whipped, I still think he's the more sensible choice out of those two players. So next question. This is a trade dilemma. So the trade is Kudus and Jackson for Martinelli and Hoyland. Straight off the back, looking at Kudus. Uh, Kudus passed the eye test uh, with a 10-point haul. He had two assists as well in that game to secure West Ham the lead. So he did play very well and he is nailed. Even though Bowen could be coming back in the next game week, I do feel that with Antonio out, that's Kudus's position. So Kudus has one goal and three assists in his last three games as well for West Ham. The risk of Kudus is low in this trade. I do feel he has a high ceiling, especially with his games coming up. They play Crystal Palace, Spurs, Fulham, Wolves, United. These are all teams that West Ham can score against. Jackson then, he has six goals so far this season. Although three of those did come against the nine-man Tottenham Hotspur, so it is marginally inflated. Chelsea are fourth on the fixture ticker, with fixtures against Brighton, United, Everton, Sheffield and Wolves. So some very good fixtures here and Chelsea have proven that they can score lots of goals in games. They scored four goals in a game three, three times, times this year. I also think they're like fourth or fifth in terms of expected goals this season. So they actually can score them, although they are conceded. Yeah, can score, but they do concede. But for Jackson, as a forward, all, all we want is those attacking returns for him. The risk of Jackson currently is Nkunku is expected back on the 3rd of December. Well, I do think this is quite a low risk because with Nkunku's injury... I feel he will be eased back into the team. Can't see Jackson losing his spot immediately. On the flip side then, we've Martinelli and Hoyland. So we spoke about Martinelli in a trade last week. He's not the same Martinelli as he was last season. 
and we are hoping that his form will change over the next couple of weeks. The same with Hoyland. Hoyland is flagged at the moment. He's 50% on fantasy football. He's no, zero goals and zero assists in the Premier League so far this season. Although these players might have great names compared to maybe Kudos and Jackson, you need to be looking at are they in form? Who's in form? Who's returning? What teams are returning? The upside to Hoyland is he's five goals in the Champions League. I don't think that is going to change my decision on his form in the Premier League. Martinelli and Hoyland may have higher ceilings on paper based off Martinelli's season last season and the returns that he did get last season. The form of Jackson and Kudos outweighs the potential ceiling of Hoyland and Martinelli. I think for a trade like that, yeah, you're looking at the names as you said and you're taking a big risk and hoping that Hoyland and Martinelli are going to improve. When you take a gamble like this in a trade, it is a gamble because both of them are underperforming and Kudos is definitely performing with the possibility of Jackson having a nice few runs. If you were doing this trade, if you did somehow want to go for the other side, you'd have to be looking at this long term. You'd have to look and ignore a couple of games before it might start paying off. If you kept this trade until the end of the season, it might be closer than you think. But I, th I think yeah. you have to go definitely five, six, seven games in, at a time. If you're looking 20 games, it might be too far sometimes. Might The trade might be too far gone and you might actually lose points. With Martinelli, as I mentioned, his ceiling is quite high. If he does get into form and does get does get those attacking returns, we might be looking back at this podcast and like, what were we thinking? Yep. Saying not to go with Martinelli. But at the same time, if you gain points from Kudos and Jackson in the next five, six, seven game weeks and then Kudos becomes someone else and Jackson becomes someone else, you might have made a positive transfer. And I suppose that's what a, a trade is all about, is picking up players at the right time and letting them go at the right time. If we wanted to kind of develop on some of the players that played well for West Ham at the weekend, Paqueta racked up a 0.33 expected assists with two key passes and two big chances created. Suchek played very well again and racked up a 0.63 expected goals with four shots in the box and two big chances created. Kudos then also racked up some good underlying numbers, although he wasn't his usual self for 90 minutes. 0.38 expected assists, two key passes, and one big chance created. Next question is in regards to Zinchenko. And if we go in depth on Zinchenko, I think straight away, he's definitely worth picking up. He had two big returns in his last two games. Now I know they were two relatively easy fixtures in Luton and Brentford, but Arsenal are the best team in the league for defence this season, so far. They only have a 0.90 expected goals per game, which is the lowest of any team. Also have conceded the least amount, so their underlying stats and their kind of real stats match up. Ben White should be back starting next week. He came on, I think it was for a single minute last week, so that might raise an issue in terms of Zinchenko starting, because it has been Zinchenko and Tommy Asu the last couple of weeks. And there is, as usual, a very heavy fixture list coming up in December. If we look at the fixtures, the next two are favourable enough for Arsenal. So if you picked up Zinchenko and you started him, you have Wolves and Luton. You might expect two clean sheets there. The problem is that they play them two games three days apart. So although he might start Wolves, that means he might not start Luton. Yes, Zinchenko is a great pick, but I think you have to have your bench and your team well set up. He so, could have uh, the possibility of being whipped for the 68 minute as well in some of them games if he's to play both. Touche, yeah. He could play only relatively small minutes, but he also then could play 
90 minutes and then come on for 10 minutes. Yeah. If you knew he wasn't going to play any minutes at all, it might be better. So I think if you have three solid defenders and maybe one waiver defender in Zinchenko then as well could be good. But I think you definitely need three players that you're happy to play most weeks because if you pick up Zinchenko and he ends up not starting Luton or whatever game and you had him as one of your like three defenders and you have someone coming off the bench that's a waiver that does or maybe doesn't have a good fixture well then you're not going to be happy about picking up Zinchenko but if your team set up well adding Zinchenko to that could be fantastic let's say he doesn't play Wolves and you think he's going to start Luton boom you can start rotating defenders based on their fixtures and if you're not happy with them there is three kind of nasty fixtures in 16, 17, 18. Villa, Brighton, Liverpool. But after that, there's four very favourable fixtures in West Ham, Fulham, Palace and Forest. So if you can get over them three games at Christmas, you could be very happy that you have them. And if you really don't want them and you're kind of a bit afraid of uh, rotation, boom, you can trade them. And people will be seeing them seas of green and they love an Arsenal defender. Hopefully someone that's playing majority of, of minutes for a team with the best defence in the league. Yes, he might get rotated and always has that risk, but when he plays, he actually gets relatively far forward. You kind of have uh, many avenues to points. So I think Zinchenko is definitely a pickup. Always depends on who you give away, but I would give away a good few defenders for Zinchenko this week. Next question is in regards to Brentford's midfield. Yeah, we've had a look at this. There's a couple of them that could be options. Obviously, you're going to look at Embuemo. He's going to be taken. He's a good trade if you're looking short term. Um, Jensen, if he is available, he is a fantastic pick. We've tipped Jensen a couple of times on the podcast and he has done well for us. Uh, has uh, many routes to points, takes free kicks, direct free kicks, whips them in. And he's also playing with Wissan and Buemo, who are two good players to have. Yeah. You know, be playing behind, I suppose. If you're looking another, at another midfielder for Brentford, the only really one I could see is Norgaard. And I think it's going to be hard to hold after the next game. The next four games for Brentford are Luton, Brighton, Sheffield, and then Villa. And a blank within Wolves, Palace, and Forest. So what we have is we have three fixtures favourable enough. Luton, Brighton, and Sheffield in terms of attackers. Villa, maybe not so much. Then a blank. So you have two tough fixtures. And then you have Wolves, Palace, and Forest. I'm going to break it down in how long I would hold these players. I suppose in Buemo, you could hold, obviously, long-term. You could um, even trade for him, racking up some fantastic underlying numbers. Jensen is possibly a hold as well, even with that blank. Because as a fifth-choice midfielder, even a fourth-choice midfielder, Jensen, he'll kind of surprise you um, as to like the couple of points that he'll pick up here and there. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't risk putting him on the waiver just for that uh, blank game week. You have to just put yeah, him on the bench. I, I think you just put him on the bench. Yeah. So he's fine to hold as well. Now, if you did want to trade him, he, he, he has decent trade value as well, but I, I'd like to have Jensen in my team as a fifth-choice midfielder in maybe a mid-sized, large-sized league. And then Norgaard, as we said. Norgaard has one goal and one assist this season. You know, gets relatively far forward for a Brentford midfielder and that shape they play. There's not too many of them. And the only other two players you could look at in midfield because we asked about midfield specifically, is Onienka and Yanelt. Yanelt. How do I always say that wrong? Yanelt. I actually think he kind of looks like me as well, you know. <laughs> I'd have to get him up. Yeah. Now, if you look at them... <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? He looks thin of you. That is quality. If you want to take one of them, that's fine for one week. I just find it... That's between you and Lewis Dunk. 
Oh lord. In football ability. <laughs> <laughs> I think they are fine to hold for Luton. I think if you really want uh, that fixture on Yenka or Yanelt, okay, grand. But I think it's going to be very hard to hold them after Luton. Brighton, Sheffield, yeah, you could still play them three. So you could go three weeks max, but then you'd definitely be getting rid of them um, for the Villa and the blank. So I think you kind of have to rank them in how long you'd hold them and I suppose availability. Embuemo, long-term hold. Jensen, possible long-term hold. Norgard, possibly three games. And then Onienka and Yalent, possibly one, maybe two. One, maybe two. So I suppose you kind of have to look at it in that order. How long you keep them. They're all great punts this week. And if you want to hold them for the third week they played Sheffield, it might be a good option. But at the same time, you might miss a couple of other players that are on the waiver. Next question. I've got Johnson. Considering Spurs' injury list and upcoming fixtures, I'm thinking of wavering him out for Almiron, Neto or Jake Ramsey. Now, I can totally understand why you consider wavering out Johnson. But if you don't, it's not the worst thing in the world. Johnson is still racking up some decent numbers. He could have had two goals against Villa and squared both them to Son. Yes, he didn't return. But I still think he's a relatively good pick in an attacking Spurs side. Yeah, they might be losing games, but they'll still score. On another day, people will be raving on about Johnson, trying to get him into their team, throwing trades across to get Johnson. On another day, it just wasn't his day. It wasn't Spurs' day yesterday. If you weren't to get a waiver over the line, it's not the worst thing, as I said. They play City in 13 and Newcastle in 15. But they have some very good fixtures over the next seven or eight games, excluding them two. I still would rate Johnson fairly highly. But if you were, if you are sick of him, you want to get him out. If we look at the other players, initially I'm excluding Jacob Ramsey from this because yes, he did come on for Villa. He might, might get a start the next day, but I still think he'll be eased in. When he plays, or starts, sorry, when he starts two games back to back, I'll consider him. Because we've had it with with him this season where he's been injured and he's been out for a long time and keeps getting re-injured. So, when he plays two games back-to-back starting, I consider him. He'll come on for a 15-minute cameo and bang. <laughs> That's first game. exactly like he did last time. Yeah. Um, if we look at the other options that you were asking about, Almiron. Both Anderson and Barnes are expected back mid to late December, maybe January. So although they don't put Almiron directly at risk at a right-wing position, they can play the majority of positions for Newcastle. We've seen it with Newcastle before where they had rotating midfielders where Gordon has played up top sometimes Barnes used to play it off the left Anderson played deeper in midfield so they don't directly affect him but Newcastle have been very short of players recently and I think they'll be they'll be excited to get an improvement in the squad and I think just because of that and a couple of rotation I think Almiron will get benched over the next couple of game weeks they also have Europe thrown in there if I had to pick someone out of this list I'd probably go for the Neto fella talked about him last week as well Yes, he might miss game week 14 again, but then he plays Burnley, Forest, West Ham and Chelsea. One goal, eight assists this season. I think he's going to have the highest trade value over the whole course of the season. I think he's going to be more nailed than Almiron. He could be even more nailed than Johnson with Richarlison coming back. Wolves look a different side without him. I just can't see past him. I know he's coming back from a slight injury, but I'd still go Neto. They also have the added bonus of no Europe. If I had to kind of rank these... Neto and then Johnson but again 
keeping Johnson is not a bad option. Almiron after that due to the rotation risk and a lot of the injured players coming back. And then Ramsey again. Until I see him start two games in a row, I won't consider him. Villa are a good attacking side. Some decent fixtures, but I want to see him on the pitch. On to our waiver section of the podcast. We have another keeper this week. Last week we had two. Um, well, last week we had three. Ramsell got that clean sheet, fair play to him, but probably the last clean sheet he'll ever keep for Arsenal. Lucky to keep a clean sheet as well. Yeah. First on our waivers in terms of goalkeepers is our boy Vlachodemus for Forrest. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. Vlachodemus Odysseus, isn't it? I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> I couldn't say it myself at all. Um, we talked about him over the last number of weeks. I still see him on a couple of waivers. So maybe some players or some managers were afraid that Turner might get his spot back. If you're looking for a starting keeper, he's there. Pick him up. I got him on the free agent last week. Yes, they are fifth from bottom in terms of expected goals conceded. 1.54 per 90. But he may rack up some save points. He has two or three fixtures in the next five that may be possible clean sheets. Everton, Fulham, Wolves, Spurs and Bournemouth. So you'd like to think maybe two of them... You have a decent chance at a clean sheet. And if not, some save points will get you a few points. As we said, there's not many teams keeping clean sheets this year. But you are looking for those save points. And look, Blacodemus could be your man. He's racked up some good uh, returns so far in his couple of games that he has played. So he's um, a great option going forward. Next up is our defender waiver suggestions. So we're going to rank these as well. So number three is Charlie Taylor of Burnley. So they're playing Sheffield United this weekend. He does play relatively attacking as well. And Burnley, surprisingly, have a 40% chance of a clean sheet. We always say if it's in around 40, 40 plus, it's kind of a no-brainer to go with the stats. Yeah. In second place, coming back from injury, is Ben Mee. Brentford play Luton this weekend and they have a 45% chance at a clean sheet. Ben Mee might be on the waiver because he was out injured for a couple of game weeks but has started the last two. Ben Mee... Ethan Pinnock, two fantastic options. I presume Pinnock is going to be taken after his haul a couple of weeks ago and he's probably been kept in the teams. If you are looking for someone else, Ayer of Brentford has also started the last couple of games and looks nailed also. 45% as a clean sheet, you can't say no to that. Our number one defender waiver suggestion is the Sassy. This comes off the back of Rhys James getting two yellow cards against Newcastle. So last week, Colwell was our Chelsea pickup. He is back playing now. He got 15 minutes the last day, so he should be a fantastic asset going forward. And Chelsea do have some great fixtures as well. Um, so if you can get the Sassy in, or, or even get a trade over the line, yeah, it could be it could be very fruitful. <laughs> we have a bonus waiver this week. Romero of Spurs, I seen was dropped on a lot of waivers because of his red card. If he is available, he might be a bad addition to your team. They do play City next week, so it was going to be an easy bench anyways. Spurs are light at the back, but if you hold him for the next couple of weeks and you get over them tough fixtures and Spurs get some players back, he could be a decent player in your team or good trade fodder. Starting player for a decent good team, you want to some way get him into a trade over the line, you could be you could be very happy that even if you have an injured player, if you get them off for Romero and hold them on your bench regardless, you could have a nice player in a couple of weeks. If he can't 
steer clear of yellow cards and more red cards, I do think that Romero can get more att attacking returns as well mm -hmm. for Spurs. Just the way they're playing. I know Madder's delivery, that's how he got his goal and in the first couple of weeks. I do feel there will be plenty of ball for Romero to get attacking returns. It is more of a bonus and more of a punt of a defender's suggestion. Depending on how your team is set up. Yeah. On to our midfield waiver suggestion. suggestions. On to our midfield waiver suggestions. We have four tiers, I suppose, but a couple of different waivers. In the bottom tier, if you're looking for someone that's playing for a good team that has some decent fixtures, but hasn't really been racking up the stats, but you want some way into that team, Gallagher for Chelsea is a good way to get into that Chelsea team. As we said, I think they're second overall in the next, like, 10 games I think they're top in the next 6 they have a great run of fixtures we know that they have that fantastic run of fixtures from 16 to 21 so if you want Gallagher who's you know essentially nailed for Chelsea over that good run it could be a good pickup. problem is Gallagher can't finish I watched him the last day he had some no. good chances and if it was someone else I think he's lacking serious confidence yeah because he scored a few bangers at Palace exactly if he was at Palace and was in them positions he would be scoring so hopefully um, it is only kind of a they're going to be the start but if he bangs one he could bang more but again he's not very exciting but he does play for Chelsea and as we mentioned Chelsea are well able to score goals this season as well mm -hmm. so he can be he can get those uh, assist points going forward um, if you're looking for someone similar McAllister of Liverpool is playing Fulham at home and then Sheffield problem with McAllister again very boring pick for them teams he plays very deep he's got one assist this season and it came from deep over the top for Darwin Yes, at any stage, a player for a good team that are kind of camped on a poor team's box can get returns. So the likes of Fulham, the likes of Sheffield, Liverpool will have big possession, so he will be relatively far advanced compared to where he usually is. So he might be the absolute worst option, but again, sucker for a yellow card. Yeah. And yeah, just not that exciting. Next up is Tielemans. So Tielemans started in game week 12 and he played very well came on after 45 minutes in game week 13 against Spurs and he did get an assist as well game week 14 Villa play Bournemouth and there's a high possibility of Tielemans starting this game because Kamara is now suspended off the back of getting a fifth yellow card against Tottenham Hotspur number two is Jensen so for all the reasons as Nosey stated above regarding Brentford's great run of fixtures and he's also won free kicks and he's feeding into the likes of Wissa and Brian Mbomo. Number one in our midfield waiver suggestions this week is a player we mentioned last week. He's bumped up the rankings after his haul. It's Morgan Gibbs-White. I presume a lot of people picked up Morgan Gibbs-White in the waiver last week, but he is kind of a yo-yo player in small leagues. If you're in a smaller leagues, now is the time to pick him up if you didn't do it last week. Wood dropped very deep. And he allowed Alanga and Morgan Gibbs-White to come high and central. It was one thing that we had an issue with with Morgan Gibbs-White throughout the season. That he wasn't playing in that kind of more central position. And he was primarily on the wing. But was allowed to, to come in central um, as he progressed. So both of them assets are now of high value. As well, Forrest have a fantastic run of fixtures. As we mentioned in the goalkeeper section. Everton, Fulham, Wolves, Spurs and Bournemouth. So if you're in a smaller league, Morgan Gibbs-White. If you're in a slightly larger league, another player that was suggested last week is Alanga. Now, I would still put Alanga very high, 
in with the likes of Jensen, in the likes in with the likes of Tillemans for the foreseeable. Tillemans might be a one-week shout against Bournemouth. Jensen might be a three-game, if not more. I think he'd probably be a more solid pick. But if you're looking for a kind of a shorter, exciting pick, Alanga could be that man. He has returned in the last two games, and over the next five game weeks, I expect him to get a few more returns as well. If you're looking for a couple of punts, large leagues, you have some injured players, you don't know who to get in, there is a couple. Tavernier called last week, but he has three good fixtures in 17, 18 and 19. He's nailed for Bournemouth and he's on set pieces. So although he just banged and it might feel like a bit of a knee jerk, he still isn't a bad option. Our Burnley boys are still good picks in large size leagues. Goodmanson racked up another good few stats, including four key passes last week. If you can't get him, Koleosho and Brownhill are good options as well. They'd be in larger size leagues if you're really struggling for midfielders. As I said, this week we have many forward suggestions. Usually we mightn't have any. This week we're looking at four. We talked about one of them already and he'd probably be bottom of the list. Ogbene, again, starting forward but has tough fixtures coming up. All four home games are against the likes of Arsenal, City, Newcastle I think it was, and Chelsea. So although Luton might be okay at home and Ogbene is starting to get amongst the points, I'd still put him down the bottom of the list. But if you need to play in striker, it's worth it. Third on our list is McBurney. He got back in the Sheffield side this week and played 45 minutes banging a goal. He also racked up some decent stats. Four shots, one of them blocked, two off target and one on target and had 0.53 expected goals. So I expect him to start next week and hopefully for the foreseeable. Next up is Jay Rodriguez of Burnley. So Burnley are playing Sheffield United at home this weekend and he is on penalties as well. So if you are looking to fill in an injured forward spot for this game week, maybe Jay Rodriguez is your man. Burnley also have that nice run of fixtures over the next while. Yeah, you can start him even though he might be a third choice striker and you have two good ones. Him there is a third choice that you can play if there's injuries or just on a good fixture, always good. Top of our list, this is if your team is set up well, Ivan Tony. So you've kind of been thinking about Ivan Tony, the likes of KDB, how soon do you get them? Maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe they're gone. But if they're still available in a small league, I think now is the time to go for Tony. I don't like going for players too early. He is expected back on the 20th of January. That's when the ban is up. So that's seven game weeks. Not a lot, a lot of time. So if you can keep him on your bench for the busy Christmas period, he could be worth it. But if you get a couple of injuries over that time, and as we said last week, if some of your important players don't start, he might be an issue. So if you have the space and you're willing to risk the other injuries and willing to move the team around for him, now is a good time if he is still there. If you're kind of more of a week-to-week manager, Jay Rodriguez or McBurney might be better options. I do feel that, especially with the draft and the head-to-head leagues, you need to have 11 players getting points each week. Coming into this busy Christmas period, I've often seen teams or managers having maybe 10 players only playing because they have a few injured players and they're trying to hold on to them long-term. That does have a negative effect in the in the short term. I also have lost so many games due to like maybe one person not playing or maybe like this week Cash got a zero and I guarantee you games are finished yet but if Cash had got two points even three points I'd probably win the game week it's going to go down that tight again over the busy Christmas period you might win a couple of games with 35 points because you've had 11 starting players and your opponent hasn't 
For me personally, I like to play it week to week. So it depends on how your team's set up, which ones you go for. Thank you very much for listening again. If you like the podcast, please give us a follow and a rating. If you are not subscribed to us on YouTube, please go do that. That would be great. We kind of just break the podcast down in a more visual sense and sometimes it's easier to see and learn what we're talking about in a more visual sense. Myself, I enjoy the audio, but if you're a visual learner, go over to YouTube, FPL underscore draft underscore duo. Give us a, a subscribe, a watch, a like, the whole lot. Also, Twitter, Instagram, you know the crack. Same handle, FPL draft duo out. Boom!